Well, hey, church, it is so good that we get to be with you today. And what is even better is that we get to speak to you from our very own church building. I don't know about you, but when I saw church on screen last week and I saw our building, I got quite emotional. And I know that many of you did too. And I know it's not quite how we want it to be, but it's one step closer to coming home. And you guys can't see what I can see. But here in the auditorium with me, I have some of the crew members who are making this whole thing happen. So I'm excited because today I get to speak to some real faces for the first time in a very long time. I get to speak to some real people. Well, I don't believe you've tuned into church today because it's Sunday and you want to be entertained. But I believe that you've tuned into church because you want to be strengthened by the Word of God. And I have a word in my heart for you today. And it's a word that's come from a word that kept coming to the forefront of my mind. Every time I prayed and closed my eyes, this word came to the forefront of my mind. Every time Luke and I got on our knees to pray in our living room, which we do every single morning, we pray for our church family, we pray for our nation, we pray for you and your household. And every time I went to prayer, this word was at the forefront of my mind. And that word is disorientated. Disorientated. It means confused, perplexed, bewildered, to lose your sense of direction. So today, I want to speak to every person who perhaps feels like in this season, they have lost their sense of direction. To every person who perhaps feels a little bewildered and a little bit lost, my prayer is that as I speak these words, God will bring some clarity to your mind and some direction to your steps. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we know that you are not confined to a church building. We know, God, that where the people are right now today, there you are also. So I pray, God, as I articulate your words, that Spirit of the living God, you would fall afresh on every person watching today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The word disorientated, it brings back memories to me of being on fairground rides. I am not a fairground lover. I don't love the fairground. But I used to go on rides like the Cyclone or the Waltzers. You know those ones that would spin you endlessly out of control. You'd get in that little cart and they would spin you faster and faster and faster until it felt like that your outside world had just become an absolute blur. And you could just about hold on while you were sitting in your Waltzer cart but the minute the spinning stopped, 
oh my goodness, they would push you out of that thing to get the next set of riders in. And did you feel disorientated? Did you feel dizzy? It's like you could see the gate that you knew you were to walk through, but it felt like your head and your body and your feet were all going in separate directions. When the spinning stopped, all of a sudden you became disorientated. And though you knew where you should be going, somehow you just couldn't quite make it there. If you're looking for a title for today's message, I've simply called it, I'm not sure if I'm sure anymore. I'm not sure if I'm sure anymore. I think this season has found many people feeling disorientated, a little bit lost and a little bit confused. Because in March of this year, the ride of life as we know it came to an abrupt halt. It's like the earth stopped spinning and we were all put into an enforced lockdown. And we had to navigate what is now known as our new normal. We had to navigate our way through the highs and the lows of isolation. We've had to learn what it is to socially distance, wear masks and gloves, and it's become somewhat confusing. It's like life as we knew it just all of a sudden came to a grinding halt. And this is our new normal. Now we're having to learn what our social bubbles look like. Who's in my bubble? How many can I have in a bubble? And what's a bubble anyway? It's like, who knows? And though life is still happening, we are all of a sudden feeling uncertain and unsure and like, I just don't know anymore. Cancelled plans have left us disorientated. Unachieved goals have left us frustrated. I don't know about you, but I'm still waking up on a Thursday and thinking it's a Saturday. Life is somewhat confusing since the world seemed to stop spinning. And I have spoke to many people who have also said, Emma, in this time right now, I just feel unsteady. I just feel unsure. I just feel like I don't know what, what, what really my purpose is anymore. I mean, one minute I was in the office with all of my co-workers and my colleagues. And the next thing I was at the kitchen table with my laptop. One moment I was in university with all of my friends. And the next I was back home at my parents' house. One minute I was in the house of God worshipping alongside my friends and my family. And the next Sunday, I was at home watching church through a screen. Everything just suddenly changed. And the unexpected ride that 2020 has taken us on has left so many people with the effects of disorientation saying, I'm just not sure if I'm sure anymore. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want to do the job I was doing anymore. I'm not sure if that career path is for me anymore. I'm not sure about the relationship that I was in. I'm not sure about my marriage. We've been locked up for that long. I'm just not sure anymore. I'm not sure of my faith. I don't know if I believe like I used to believe. I'm just not sure anymore. I'm beginning to wobble. I'm wobbling in my confidence. I'm wavering in my faith. I doubt the things that I used to be so certain of. 
I'm unsure. I'm unclear and I don't feel like I can think straight. If that message is for you, if that message, um, if that sounds like you today, then this message has your name on it. If that sounds like you today, then today I believe God wants to steady your thoughts, bring some clarity to your thinking. And I think he wants to show you that even though the world feels like it's spinning out of control, he is still very much in control. Because he's not the God of confusion. He's not the God who never saw this pandemic coming. He's not the God who's suddenly been taken by surprise. He's not the God who bows his knee to a virus. He's not the God who says, I don't know what I'm going to do with you all now. No, no. He's the God who says, I who began a good work in you, I have committed myself. I have destined myself to finish that which I started in your life. He is the God of the ages and he knows what he's doing even when the world feels out of control. I want to take you to a character in the Bible today. A character who felt like he was in a state of disorientation. A character in the Bible who felt so lost and so confused that he actually wanted his life to just end. His name is Elijah. And just so that I could give you a little bit of context to the story, I want to just picture, paint a picture of this man, Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in Israel at the time that Ahab was king. And the Bible tells us about Ahab, that he was more wicked, more wicked than any other king had ever been who'd reigned in Israel. Ahab was married to Jezebel and it says of her that she was even more wicked than her husband. And Ahab and Jezebel had turned the nation of Israel from worshipping the one true living God to becoming idol worshippers of an idol called Baal. And so God raises up a prophet to speak to his people and to show them his love and to win back their hearts. And God did some incredible things through the life of Elijah. Incredible things. God used Elijah to prophesy to Ahab that there would be a drought upon the earth and there was an almighty drought for over three years. God then supernaturally took care of Elijah up in the mountains. He got the wild birds to come and feed him. And then he took Elijah to a widow's house where her and her son were about to die because of the famine and the drought upon the land. And because she cared for Elijah, her household supplies supernaturally never ran out for the entire drought season. Elijah prophesied when the rains would come and they came at exactly at the right appointed time. God did some mighty things through Elijah. And just prior to where we pick up our story, we find Elijah on the side of Mount Carmel. He's built an altar and he's put a sacrifice on the altar. And he's challenged 450 false prophets of the idol Baal. And they too have built an altar on the side of the mountain. And he says, this is what we're going to do. You're going to pray to your God. I'm going to pray to my God. And whosoever God supernaturally lights the sacrifice is the one true living God. It says they called out all the leaders and all the important men of Israel. 
And do you know one concordance that I looked in said it's quite possible there was up to 2 million people on the side of Mount Carmel that day. If ever you wanted a platform to speak from, if ever you wanted to prove how God used you, if ever you wanted public recognition, Elijah had it all right there and right then. And so he begins to pray. The the false prophets, they're praying to Baal. But you see, Baal is an idol and he cannot answer prayer. Though you may worship him, he cannot answer. And then Elijah prays to the one true living God. He says, God Almighty, show yourself to these people that they may worship you once again. And immediately fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, burnt up the altar and all the ground around it. And it says the nation of Israel fell on their knees and they began to worship God once again. And then God supernaturally empowered Elijah to single-handedly kill all 450 of the false prophets of Baal. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Rambo, but I'm pretty sure he was modelled off Elijah. I mean, 450 prophets killed by one man. Ahab goes home and he tells Jezebel and she is furious. The nation are worshipping God again. Your prophets are all dead. And she sends a message to Elijah. And she says to him this, I will find you by this time tomorrow, Elijah, and you will be dead for I'm coming to kill you. And the Bible says, Elijah turns on his heels and he runs for his life. Isn't it amazing how in a moment you can forget what God has done. In a moment you can forget the years and the past events where God has reached into your life and he's healed you and he's touched you and he's restored you. And just because of the words of one person, in a moment he runs for his life. And this is where we find him. So we're going to pick the story up in 1 Kings 19. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and he went on into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush and he collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all just to die. Enough of this, God. Just take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. And exhausted, he fell asleep in the lone broom bush. Elijah here, we find him a bit confused and disorientated. I mean, he's just had the biggest adrenaline rush. He's been busy calling down fire on Mount Carmel in front of a multitude of people. But now we find him on his own and he's running for his life and he's feeling a little bit confused. I thought I knew who you were, God. I thought I knew who I was in you, God. I thought maybe that I would be protected by you, God. I thought I would be untouchable. I've seen you move in the most powerful of ways but now but now you're you've let me down but now God I feel afraid but now my life is running out of control 
His head is telling him one thing. His heart is telling him another. His mind is remembering the events of yesterday, but his feet are running to a land far, far away. He's confused. He's not sure if he's sure anymore. He's in the desert and he spots a lone broom tree and he crawls under it. And it makes me kind of smile because he wasn't looking for a tree to hide under. If he was, he'd have run to the forest, but he didn't. He ran to the desert. And there's just this one lone broom tree that had seeded in the desert all by itself. It just happened to be there. And Elijah crawls under it to hide in its shade. He crawls under it and he says to God, this is where I'm staying. He slumps to the ground. He curls up in the ball and he says, this is my new place of comfort. It's easy in this place. Under the shade of this tree, I don't have to think. Under the shade of this tree, I don't have to make plans. I don't have to make decisions. I don't have to consider where I come from and I don't have to think about where I'm going. I'm just going to be under this tree. The first point that I want to draw from this message, from this story today, is when life disorientates you, convenience wants to hide you. You see, the broom tree was not part of Elijah's plan. It was just conveniently there. And so there he hid. Do you know when I read this story... I began to see how many of us in this season have found broom trees that we've crawled under. We found broom trees of convenience and we've just got underneath them. And under that place, we've just said, oh, this is okay because I don't have to think and I don't have to plan. I don't even have to pray or open my Bible. I just want to opt out of life for some time. For some of you, your broom tree looks like Netflix. Now, I don't have a problem with Netflix, not at all. I like watching movies. But when the movie becomes your broom tree, when you're just watching one after the other, after the other, after the other, so you can just let days and nights and weeks pass you by and you don't have to commit and you don't have to think. You can just hide. It's a problem. It's a broom tree. Some of you, it might be gaming. Hey, listen, we have Netflix and we have Playstations in our home. But I'm talking about when you lose your sense of time and purpose under your broom tree. For some of you, your broom tree is alcohol. You didn't intend it to be that way. You didn't go looking for that drink, but it was just there. It was conveniently there. And because every day feels like a weekend right now, right? I just had one and then I had another and the next I had another and the next night and the next night and the next night. It's become a place of escapism. It's become a place that relaxes you. It's become the place where you don't have to think anymore. For some of you, your broom tree is self-pity. You're like, people don't know what I've been through. And you've got under your broom tree and you're disengaged from everybody because you just want to sit and you just want to meditate and mull over the things that have happened. And you are right. 
people don't know what you've been through, but God does. And He can see you under your broom tree. For some of you, your broom tree is a friendship that you have started up in this season. And God says, it's not good for you. Because in that place, you don't have to think. And in that place, nobody is being your, your, your counsel and your guide. And in that place, you've just found a form of escapism, some time out just to hang out and chill and forget the purposes of God. God said, you're under a broom tree. You didn't go looking for it, the friendship, it was just there. You didn't go looking for it, that website, it was just there. It was not something that I intentionally went to do. And God is saying that you're finding yourselves in places that if you were back on board, if the world was still acting as normal, you would not be making these choices. But you found yourself under a broom tree, a place of convenience, escapism, where your mind can stop thinking and start wondering. It's a false sense of security. And under the broom tree, Elijah said to God, I just want to die. And as I was putting pen to paper and writing these words, I felt the Spirit of God say there are people dying under the broom tree. Not in the physical sense of the word, but spiritually speaking, if you stay in that place, you are dying. You know, in that moment, God sends an angel to speak to Elijah. This is what I love about God. He's, he gets in the broom tree with Elijah. He goes to meet him. And I know you're sitting at home now and you're like, well, there's no angel come to speak to me. Well, you know, in some scriptures of the Bible, God used an angel to speak. In other scriptures of the Bible, he used an ass or a donkey to speak. I figure I come somewhere between the two. So today, God's using my voice to speak into your world. And this is what happened to Elijah. Verse five, suddenly the, an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. He looked around and to his surprise, right by his head, there was a loaf of baked bread on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and he went back to sleep. The angel came back and shook him awake again and said, eat and drink some more. You've got a long way a long journey ahead of you. And so he got up and he ate and he drank his fill and he set out. Nourished by the meal, he walked for 40 days and 40 nights all the way to the mountain of God at Horab. When they, he got there, he crawled into a cave and he went to sleep. The second point that I want to draw from this story is when you are confused, you still have the power to choose. When you're confused, you still have the power to choose. You see, God sent provision for Elijah. Right where Elijah was at, God said, I know what is needed here. And He sent provision. But the word to Elijah was, you get up. You eat the food. You drink the water. I will provide for you, but I will not force feed you. Elijah, eat. I feel like God is saying you can either look at this season and be like, it's over. 
what was has been, it's time for something new in my life. Or you can look at it because God wants to provide for you right now, right here today. And you can look at it as a new beginning. I think it was the physical action of Elijah sitting up, reaching out and taking the bread that showed God, I don't really want to die. I know that's what I said, God, but I don't really want to die because here's the thing, when you're confused, you say things you don't really mean. You wish for things that you don't really want and you make decisions that are foolish when you're in a place of disorientation. But God knows you better than you know yourself and He knows where to meet you under the broom tree. And He says, here's my provision. You can take it or you can ignore it, but the choice is yours. You know, this was an actual loaf of bread that God sent into Elijah's life via an angel to feed his hungry body. But all through the Bible, bread is used as a metaphor, as God's provision. It's used throughout the Bible as an example of the way God provides for us. And that is why when Jesus taught us in Matthew 6 how to pray, when He taught us the Lord's Prayer, He said, pray in this way. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. What Jesus was saying here was, listen, when you pray to God, stop praying airy fairy prayers. Stop praying just random prayers. But get specific, get serious and tell God what you need for today. Tell Him what He can provide for you. Lord, I feel so lonely. Today, I need a friend. Today, I need comfort. God, I'm hurting. God, today, provide healing for my life. Oh God, Lord, today, I'm weak. God, I need your strength. Today, God, I feel like I'm going to be tempted to do that thing, to fall into that situation, to make that wrong choice. God, would you give me your strength? Because God said, I'll provide for you. You just got to tell me what the provision is. The angel left a jug of water for Elijah to drink. And again, the water throughout the Bible is symbolic. In John 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well in Samaria and she is drawing out her water from the well. And Jesus says to her, hey, honey, you drink that water, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink from my well, if you drink my water, you will never thirst again. Never. What was he saying to her? It was a metaphor. He was saying, look, when you keep trying to satisfy yourself by the things of this world, it is only ever going to want you leading to more. If you get a new car, eventually you're going to want another new car. You can go on that holiday, but next year you'll want another holiday. And you might be in love with the boyfriend today, but six months down the line, you're looking for a new boyfriend because this world always leaves you wanting more. But if you satisfy yourself in me, me who has the words of eternal life, you will never, ever thirst again, ever. There's nothing wrong with having things in the world. But if you try and find your happiness and your sense of security there, you will only ever end up in a cycle 
when God says, come and fulfill yourself from my kingdom. And I think God wants to say to you today that His provision for you is not a temporary thing. His love is endless. His grace keeps on giving. His mercy is on you every single day. On your good days and on your worst days, God knows who you are and He knows what you need. He's waiting for the ask. He's been in your past. He's here in your present and He's seen your future. He knows you better than you know yourself. And all you need to live a fulfilled and sustained life is found in Him. So don't be fooled into thinking the broom tree is your new normal because it is not. It's a place of complacency and you are dying there. Wake up, eat, drink. Elijah, having been refreshed, he walked for 40 days to the mountain of Harab. It says when he got there, he found a cave that he crawled inside and he went to sleep. And in verse 9, it says, The Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And you know, Elijah's reply sounds very like the way you and I often respond to God. Elijah went on and said to God, I've served you faithfully, God. Where's it got me? I've done everything you've ever asked of me, God. Where's it got me? I've done everything you ever wanted, God. And what for? And you and I might say, I've been to church all my life, God. I went to life group every Wednesday. I've served, I've given, I've helped, I've been in the thick of it. And where's it got me, God? Still haven't got the boyfriend. Still haven't cleared my debt. I still haven't landed myself a job. Feeling a little bit confused, God. Because I'm not, just not sure what I believe anymore. I'm not sure if I'm sure anymore, God. I'm slightly confused. And in verse 11, the Lord speaks to Elijah. He says, go out and stand on the mountain because the presence of the Lord is about to pass you by. And then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, uh, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out of the cave and he stood at the mouth of the cave because he knew the Lord was about to speak to him. You see, after the wind was roaring and the earth was quaking and the blazing fire that came, Elijah saw all this of activity and for the first time he realised, wow, God, you're not actually in the activity. And then there came a silence, a stillness, a calmness. And the fear of the Lord came upon Elijah for he knew that God was speaking to him. And I think that God was teaching Elijah a lesson that perhaps he would want to teach to you and to I today. Elijah, you've always known me in the crazy. 
You've always known me in the big stuff. You've seen what I can do, right, Elijah? You've seen me rain down fire from heaven. You've seen me withhold the reins. You've seen me set you on a mountain in front of multitudes of people to speak. You've seen me in the busyness of life, Elijah. But do you know me when the spinning stops? Do you know me in the quiet and in the calm? And I think God would say to you and I, you've known me in the church. You've been in the crowd. You've felt the hype of the praise and the worship. You've been the biggest supporter in the preaching. You've served and you've given. You've been there. I was with you in the workplace. It was I, God, who helped you get that promotion. Remember me, the one who ironed out the creases in your marriage, the one who reconciled that relationship for you. You've always known me in events and activity. But do you know me when the spinning has stopped? Do you know me when there's no one else around? Do you know me in the dead of night? Can you follow me when the church doors shut because I am God now there's no crowd gathering now there's no band playing now there's no lights and no music for you do you know me because I am the same God yesterday today and forever I change not though the world is changing I change not do you know me in the silence, whether you are in work or out of work, I am your God. Whether you are surrounded by people or doing life in isolation, I am your God. Without the stage, without the lights, without the razzmatazz, can I ask you, where am I in your life? Do you know me? The third and final point that I want to draw from our story is don't make a permanent decision from a temporary position. Don't make a permanent decision from a temporary position. I love what God says to Elijah in this moment. In verse 15, God speaks and he says to Elijah, go back the way you came. Elijah was, must have been like, but God, I'm running. I'm running from that place. I've had enough of doing life that way. I tried it your way, God, and now I'm running. And God said, yeah, but you're running far away from my plan for your life. And my word to you is go back the way you came. I believe it's his word for you and I today. As God spoke to Elijah, God was showing Elijah, Elijah, you've just been in a season of isolation. You've been in a season of confusion. And in that place, you're trying to change the trajectory of your life. But it's not my plan for you. It's not what I've determined for you. Elijah, my word is go back the way that you have come. You're altering the course that I have set out for you. You've started things that I never asked you to start. You've got involved in things that are no good for you and you're making decisions that will work against you. Elijah, go back 
the way you came. Don't make a permanent decision because this is a temporary position. And I don't know where life finds you today. Maybe in this season you have decided, I'm going to quit my job. I just, I don't want to go back there. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving it all in. And maybe today in your home, there's tension. And maybe you're the person who's thinking when this lockdown lifts, I am filing for a divorce because I am done with this marriage. Maybe today you're like, I, I, I'm done with the friends that I once had. I thought they were friends, but we haven't spoken for a while. We've been a little bit disengaged because of this whole lockdown situation. And you know what? I found some new friends and, I, and I'm just kind of go this way now. And God says, no, go back the way you've came because it's where my plan is and it's where my purpose is. For some of you, you've decided you won't be coming back to church again because you've set your life on a new course and you have made decisions in this season to walk away from the purposes of God. And the Word of God says, go back the way you came. God was saying to Elijah, I need you to go back. I need you to go back through the desert. I need you to go back to Judah. Because here's the thing, because I'm the God who's seen the end of your life from the beginning, I have purposed things along the way. And if I could just encapsulate the end of Elijah's story, God was saying to him, you need to go back because I've made appointments for you back there that you have not yet met. Actually, Elijah, you need to go back because there's people back there that you have not yet met and they are pivotal to your future. And if you go in that direction, you're going to miss out on my best for your life. And Elijah, I have a blessed life for you. Go back the way you came. And I feel like God has spoken that over each of us today. And I feel like He just wants you to hold fast through the rest of this season. And just remember, when life disorientates you, convenience will want to hide you. Be aware of the thing that has been conveniently there for you, that you have found a place of escapism in. Because God is looking for you in that place. When you are confused, you still have the power to choose. God says, make sure your choices are wise. Make sure you're seeking wise counsel at this time. And finally, don't make a permanent decision from a temporary position. Because I promise you, church, lockdown will lift. Oh, yes, the oppression will lift from this earth. Life will resume. The house of God will be full once again. And where will life find you? My prayer is that you'll go back the way you came. Church, I wonder if I may just pray with you at the end of this message. We miss you. We love you. But the most important thing is that you remember God is still God. He is still on the throne. He still has your name and your number. And wherever you are in life, wherever you may run, 
He's looking for you. He's pursuing you. And he says, I have provision for you.